All right, Boz, here we go. Today's episode is encapsulated as how to approach programming for the garage CrossFitter. One of my favorite topics, Pat, in my heart, I will always be a garage CrossFitter and uh, I refuse to live anywhere that I can't have at least something tucked away that I can get out there and get after it on my own. I am one of those rare weirdos that loves to work out on my own. I actually do better when I'm not in a group setting. And, uh, you know, I, I, I get that there's a lot of benefit to that. And for a lot of people, it's a really positive factor. But for me, gosh, I just can't get away from it. Even when we had an apartment, it was a little kitchen gym or something out on the balcony. You know, you got to have it. So I'm, I'm really excited about this topic. I'm a garage CrossFitter to this day, and you're you're preaching to the choir. I I absolutely adore it, love it. It's my it's my space, and I think anything that has the word garage CrossFit in it has my attention and love. But I think this is also one of the things which was so incredibly disruptive about yep. CrossFit to the fitness industry in general. We've touched on this when we were chatting about the what is fitness article and things like this. But when, when CrossFit came around, that knowledge base started to come out as to what you could do with a very modest amount of gear and a very modest amount of space compared to what most of us thought we had to walk into a 20,000 square foot facility yep. with this you know, cascade of machines everywhere under fluorescent lights. And all of a sudden, you've got a very small amount of space and you are turning yourself into a beast and i think yeah and i i'll awesome. say that even in the early days i think that the statement was way more radical than oh, what yeah. you're letting on it wasn't just that look at what you can accomplish it was the fittest people in the world have figured out that these mega facilities with tens of thousands of dollars of specialized selectorized equipment they are actually not housing the fittest athletes the fittest athletes have figured out that there's a small criteria of essential equipment that you could strip it down to and that's what's really going to move the needle forward and if you have access to even just a couple of those things that's going to build you to be way better off than you know the mega gym complex with 20,000 square feet and every piece of equipment that you've never even heard of so it was it was a pretty radical um departure from the norm and knowledge is power i spent I don't want to get us off track here, but I spent so many hours of my life in those facilities. So many hours. Mm. I mean, you couldn't work out. You would go to the gym for at least two hours. I mean, that was just what, what you had to do. I would look back, what the heck was I doing? I mean, I had, I had so much time. I could have been in there a quarter mm. of the time doing different movements with a different level of yeah. intensity, walked out and been four times as fit as I was. So anyway, it's Well, I got one more kind of, while we're on this philosophical (laughs) journey here, let me hop on my high horse a little bit and talk about this. I I love to think about this. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the the TV show Parks and Rec and the character Ron Swanson. Yes, yes, uh, yes. He's got a statement uh, on one of the episodes where uh, I think he's ordering breakfast or, or, or a meal and they question his order and he just says, son... I know what I'm about. <laughs> and that, that's, that's me when it comes to this sort of thinking around fitness. I know what I'm about. And what I'm trying to get at here is not only was it this radical idea that you could have a stripped down facility and come out way ahead. The other idea that's wrapped up in there is that you do not need to be an expert 
And sure, coaching can be a real benefit and it can really give you a leg up. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a great coach is invaluable. No question there. However, you can learn this stuff on your own. You can dive in. This is not the domain of experts only. You do not need a gatekeeper type individual to get you started and to really get you going along a path that can serve you for the rest of your life. This is absolutely accessible to anybody. And you don't have to uh, go through these specialized tracks. And that, I think, is another big revolutionary thing that people just take for granted these days. You know, the average person can learn this stuff to a degree that it can serve them for the rest of their life. They don't have to get tied up in a really expensive service mm -hmm. or a long, drawn-out process. Drawn out in the sense that you have to engage with it regularly, hopefully forever. Right. But the learning curve is accessible. It is a learning curve, but you can do it. And that, to me, is the power of the garage gym. And I, I just get so fired up talking about this stuff because I love it. But anyway, a little bit of knowledge. <laughs> a little bit of knowledge goes a really long way. Absolutely. A little bit of knowledge, a yep. little bit of space, a little bit of gear, a lot That's of all fitness. You need. Keep yourself safe, obviously. Yep. You know, focusing on technique. We want to have fun, but we're not splitting atoms here. Okay, we're working out. Yeah, we're we're moving our body in, in appropriate motions and sequences and loadings, and really good stuff happens. So, okay. Yeah. Getting back to what we're talking about here, how to approach <laughs> programming for the garage CrossFitter when we were kind of spitballing about this. Oh, and we should also mention this is user submitted content. This yep. is this Another is based YouTube upon comment. a request mm -hmm. from uh, yeah, a YouTube comment to kind of dive into this a little bit. You obviously you've already let us know that this has a spark, a fire, uh, of passion in there for you, and you already had in your mind you're like, hey. When I think about this, I already have it systematically broken down a little bit into how I dissect this. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you said the first thing that you would do is, you know, we're going to talk about gear, we're going to talk about space, we're going to talk about knowledge base. But the first thing that captured your attention is kind of a, an inventory of equipment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so to expand on what you talked about just a little bit there, I think the biggest limitations or restrictions that people are going to have with their home facility is just access to equipment. You're not going to have every toy that you want, most of us anyway. Um, space is probably not going to be everything that you want it to be. You're going to find mm -hmm. a little corner of the garage that you can clean out. It's a bit or, of a compromise. You know, under, yeah, under your back deck awning or whatever it is, you know, just a little bit is all you need. Um, and then experience is going to be the other one. So those three are going to be the ones that everybody's going to have a different starting place for those three things. And those are going to be, you know, certainly variables that you're going to have to consider. But no matter where you are with either of those three, first ground zero tactic, in my opinion, is to say, what do I have right now that I could just walk out and use? So whatever that happens to be, maybe it's a jump rope and a dumbbell that you got mm -hmm. at a garage sale somewhere. Maybe it's a, a bumper plate uh, and a barbell set. I don't know. Whatever you have. Take stock of that. Write it down. And then start itemizing all of the movements that you could do with that piece of equipment and every variation. So maybe you've got a, a dumbbell. Okay, I can do presses, push presses, jerks, mm -hmm. walking lunges, single arm squats, single arm thrusters, overhead lunges, lunges at the hang on and on and on, on and, and on. on list them all out every variation that you can think of then move on to your next piece of equipment do the same thing do that for everything you've got access to and then take a step back and just 
Number one, let that wash over you. The list is probably a lot longer than you think it is. So that's step one is to just recognize with a little bit of brainstorming, you're going to come up with a huge list of activities that you can do even with just one or two pieces of equipment. Shy, shockingly long list. Absolutely. So then the second layer is to take those uh, movements that you've just listed out and just give it one more layer of organization. So you've got them already separated by equipment, one broad stroke that just kind of separates things into categories. And these don't have to be rigid. You can come up with the ones that make sense to you. But where I would start is upper and lower body movements. And then within that, okay, we've got squatting movements versus kind of deadlifting. People like the word hinge these days, so we'll use Mm -hmm. that. That's a great delineation between those two. And then, you know, upper body could be as simple as push and pull, something like that. Break them out into those. And then you can start to mix and match between those categories, just two or three movements at a time. And those will go together well because you're not overlapping too much. And step back and start thinking about the possibilities of combinations. And now all of a sudden you start to recognize, man, even with just two pieces of equipment, the variability that I have access to when you start thinking about reps and different, different pairings of these movements, I mean, it's going to get huge quickly. So you, you soon find out that you're not going to run out of things to do if you've actually just taken a few minutes to think about it and see it. And that is a wonderful part of it. And that part, the space and the knowledge, which, excuse me, the space and the gear, which at first might seem unimpressive or insufficient or whatnot, once the knowledge or the experience is added to it, it explodes into what you could do. Yep. I, I think back to many years ago, at the beginning of my CrossFit journey, I would look at a modest amount of gear and have no darn clue really what I should do that day. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward, you know, a fair number of years, even though I would like to have a bunch of toys, who's kidding who, right? We're human beings. If somebody said, hey, look, this is all you're going to get. And I walked out into my garage and there was on the floor an empty barbell and a stack of bumper plates. And that's it. There was no pull-up bar, no nothing else. And somebody said, this is all we're going to give you for the rest of your life. I'd be like, well, man, I'd like to have some other things. But you know what? This will work. Yep. I can work no with this. Question. Or the opposite, if they wa- if I walked in, instead of that, there was just three pairs of dumbbells. And that doesn't take up a lot of room. A light, a moderate, and a heavy set sitting on the ground. They said, this is all you get for the rest of your life. I'd be like, well, yeah, I'd like some other things. But you know what? Let's get it on. This is, this is going to happen. Absolutely. You know, so... Hey. Yeah. And you know, what's kind of funny about that is I am lucky enough that I have everything you could possibly want in my garage gym. You know, I I have a pretty sweet setup and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I've been collecting gear since 2000, 2001. Mm -hmm. So you you push that out 20 years, a piece here, a piece there. Next thing you know, you've got a lot of stuff at the end of that process. So Anyway, I've got, I've got everything that you could want in a garage gym, but I often find myself going through periods of time where I consciously restrict myself. I'm like, okay, for the next six weeks, just for fun, I'm only going to use that kettlebell and that pull-up bar and the run around the block or whatever it is. And I'm going to come up with a bunch of stuff just to kind of see what's possible in that. And then when I get bored with that or, you know, whatever start feeling like I want to add more things to the mix, I'll do the same thing. I'll pick another two or three things and just go down that rabbit hole for a little bit, even though I've got access to, you know, a full run. 
So circling back to what you said, because I'm I'm excelling today, getting you off track. Number one is you <laughs> you identified the equipment that you have, yep. you know, and then you list it out by function. Excuse me. Then you know what can you do movements with that first. gear? Yep. What can you Just do with that the, gear from movement? Big list out first. Second one was then you looked at that list and listed it out by function, broad categories, upper body, yep. lower body, push, pull, whatever it happens to be. Then step number three was if you are interested in starting to create some workouts, well you've got to start, you know, so you start programming, Correct. maybe you pick a, a lower body squatting movement with an upper body pulling movement, you know, Fran Asker or something like that. And you just start to play and create and combine in a, you know, it's safe and intelligent manner, but you start to experiment and I'll let the cat out of the bag. If you're new to it, you're going to make a tremendous amount of errors. It's just, it's going to happen. <laughs> and, and, and as time goes by, those errors will diminish and diminish and diminish as your competency increases. But there's no learning without mistakes. You, you know, absolutely. Just... And and hey, I'll give you a little bit of my West Coast take on this. You know, as a uh, as a until recently lifelong West Coaster. Let me let me give it to you this way, Pat. Another favorite phrase of mine that there's no problems. There's just situations. <laughs> and, That's wonderful. Uh... <laughs> the Big Lebowski right there. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that's relatively true within programming. I, like errors, you say errors. And I think what's important to remember is that most of the time in this situation, an error just means the workout was either way too hard or not hard enough or the combination didn't achieve what you thought it would. Right. And it's not the end of the world. It's just, uh, you know what? This had a totally different effect than what I was planning for. You missed so again, the mark. Even, yeah, even your error yes. is not that big of a deal, especially when you frame it in the sense that you can take a look at that and learn from it. And next thing you know, you're going to get better when it comes time to put together the next workout. So mm -hmm. don't be afraid of those uh, quote unquote situations. Situations, yes. Uh, learning, yeah. ex learning experiences, problems, Correct. errors, whatever they are. Is, yeah. is your, yeah. you, you create this workout from this list that you have and you think to yourself, you look at it on paper in the dry erase board and you're like, okay, I've, I have just created you know, a short and sharp workout where the movements, I limited the interference as much as I could. They should be more complementary than, than uh, intentionally interfering with each other. This will be a shorter time domain, high intensity workout. I think it's going to take me ballpark this amount of time. And looking at it, I think if there is a, a sticking point, it's going to be this. And then you go and you do the workout. And if it meets those expectations, pat yourself on the back. That's fantastic because that was a lot of factors and variables that as a novice, you were trying to guess where they would land. And if you did it, that's really great. Chances are you will have got some of them correct. You will have been way off base on some and others will have been middle of the road. And your journey from being a garage gym programmer or a programmer in general from novice to intermediate to advanced or whatnot is going to be your ability to honestly, without your ego, look back at that experience that you just had and in an emotionless factor, categorize what went well and what missed the mark. And just and then all you're doing is you're just learning from that. And the yeah. big thing that you mentioned to realize is, even if it goes off the rails, to get back to what I said just earlier, let's relax, everybody. We're just working out. So let's say you <laughs> thought it was going to be a, a five-minute workout, and it turned out to be a 10-minute workout. In the grand scheme of things, those are still two pretty short workouts. You're in the garage 10 minutes. That's not a long time. 
but you yeah, were sure. off by 100% with how long you <laughs> thought the workout was going to take. So it's actually a huge miscalculation. But whoop-de-doo, you were still doing thrusters and pull-ups and something else now for 10 minutes instead of five minutes. Okay, it wasn't the short, sharp thing that you thought it was, but for 10 minutes, you moved your body through a wonderful range of motion with functional movements. You got your heart rate up. Guess what? Still a good day in the gym, and, and you learned from it. So that's kind of taken a yeah. step back as to it's, it's not, it can be easy, and I fell into this category previously to think that if the workout goes a little sideways or didn't perfectly hit the mark, that that was the only mark that day that was going mm -hmm. to get you fit or drive the needle forward. It was that one thing out of the 5,000 things you could have done, there was one that fit today. That's it. Nah, <laughs> the only sorry. Thing. And, and if somebody tries to tell you that that's happening and they get the yeah. secret sauce and nobody else does, be immediately suspicious of that person, by the uh, way. I could not agree more. You know, you're physiology and your fitness is not so delicate <laughs> that that there's a precise way to advance and only that precise way that's nonsense of the highest order so could not agree more with that statement um especially when we're talking about developing you know a broad capability so mm -hmm. you were a little bit longer you know what that just goes in that bucket instead of the one that you thought about originally. So yeah, I couldn't agree more. That That is the second mental exercise. So there's kind of the pre-mental exercise, which is make your lists. Note how many combinations you can start coming up with. Start to grasp how large that becomes and how quickly you have access to more than you think you do. Mm -hmm. Start trying your hand at putting together some combinations. Try them out. And then the second mental exercise on the other end is look back and have that honest assessment like Pat just said, what was I hoping for in this workout and what actually happened? And if there's a pretty significant disparity between the two, all right, let's look at the factors that played into that. Um, why was that the case? Was it too many reps of one movement and not enough of the other? Was it just too many reps overall? Was it too heavy? You know, was the pairing not as good as I thought it would be at the outset? There's some easy questions to start asking there. And then you can tweak that, give it a week or two, come back and try the tweaked version and see if mm -hmm. you got closer to the mark. And that's how you start to develop that experience where sooner or later, I mean, you know, Pat's a great example of this. He's been doing this so long. He's, he's, he's such a, uh, almost feels intuitive when you, when you see some of the workouts that he comes up with. And that's the product of doing it for so long. But the process to get there was so much trial and error that you don't see behind the, behind the scenes. Um, that if you're looking at Pat in 2021 programming, you're like, oh, he's just a natural. It's like, no, 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 no. There was a huge right. time frame of refinement within there that got him to the place that it feels like it's intuitive now. No one can avoid the journey of beginner exactly intermediate like you did i'm sorry you just you, yeah. everybody has to walk it to, you know you can't buy experience you have to go out there yeah. and earn it and some of those things will only come with time and lessons learned that may not be readily apparent from the get-go maybe mm -hmm. you missed your time again getting back to that example of it was going to take five minutes but then it took 10 well you'll probably learn as you start to develop your level of sophistication with programming and, and trying to guess how long or estimate how long a workout will take that some things vary wildly like if you're looking at something like dt okay it's it's just a barbell movement and and it's you know 12 9 6 of deads hang power cleans and, and push jerks 
And if you looked at that workout, and we've talked about this before on a, on a podcast, and you just timed with a, a PVC pipe or an mm. empty barbell moving, not at a psychotic pace, but at a consistent <laughs> pace, how long should this workout take a robot? It's about five minutes, but yeah. it doesn't take anybody that. Let's say it takes you 10 minutes. So with just a barbell, you might learn eventually, this is one of the things I've learned, with just a barbell movement like that, you can make a relatively safe assumption if you know what would the cyborg do it in. Well, a pretty fit person is going to take about twice as long of that because there's almost a one-to-one work-to-rest ratio built into something which is just multiple weightlifting movements in a workout. You can almost double mm-hmm. the time of the cyborg and be really close to what it should take. But it doesn't work that way on something something with like Nancy, for example. Now, the overhead squats might take more, but if you double the runtime and that, well, it takes two minutes, oh, I'm going to double it to four minutes per run, now Nancy <laughs> should take this long. Well, that doesn't work. So sometimes also in your development as a programmer as to what movements pair well with one another and the loading and all that, and how long should this workout take, you'll, you'll find out only through repeated trial and error that time estimation for a workout that mm-hmm. includes a monostructural component is not the same as time estimation for something which is just barbell cycling, which all of these little sure. things just there's there's no avoiding the time that it takes to gain experience, to make your mistakes, but you but you won't advance unless you do that very mission critical part that Boz said you need to do, which is after you do it, you've got to look back at the workout honestly, yep. objectively. And without ego, because everyone falls in love with what they create. But if you want to get better, you can't do that. And if you have a good buddy who is capable and competent at these things as well, feel free to reach out to them and be like, hey, this is what I thought was going to happen. I really missed the mark here. I'm confused as to why. And sometimes a second set of eyes can um, can help ground you in reality. Yeah, or I was going to say another great thing to do is if you have somebody who's receptive to it, just float them the workout after you've done it. You know, maybe maybe you had this five-minute workout we've been talking about. That was the target. It ended up taking 10 minutes for you. Float it by somebody else and see how it, it goes for them. And if the result is similar, okay, you know that it's not just you struggling right. with whatever in that. Because, you know, everybody's got those workouts that are not as good for them, not in their wheelhouse. And so you want to make sure that that's actually the workout itself and not just your particular uh, performance that's that's being assessed. I mean, if so, if you have access to that, that's another layer that you can start to consider. But um, yeah, it's it. Nonetheless, it's that looking back that's the really important fact. So getting getting back to what we were chatting about earlier is is let's say somebody is they're the garage crossfitter they want to set this up. You were saying when you picture you know maybe where you start you've got quite a nice setup right now, but that you could have a garage gym set up modestly, even if you have like a five by five foot corner, you know, or some space under a back deck. If you had that small space, what what do you see tucked into that as a an ideal minimal amount of gear to make this garage fitness happen? Well, I'll give you a, a great example. It's a real world example. I've talked about this in the past. When I was living in San Francisco in the early 2000s, my wife and I had a small apartment. It was about 600 square feet. That's being generous, probably. And so I had uh, a door jam pull-up bar uh, at the back of my kitchen that led out to the the fire exit. I had a kettlebell, 24-kilo kettlebell, 
And that was it. I had a PVC pipe. That was a late addition after that. And then uh, when I got really sophisticated, I bought a pair of rings, the, the old steel rings from um, Tyler Haas. Shout out mm, to Tyler Haas. Yeah. The, the first commercially available uh, <laughs> rings for the average person. Were those like um, the, the red strap with the white ring? exactly the one. Yeah, yeah with, the, with the blue tape around the handle. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I had those forever. Anyway, oh, yeah. I digress. So it was a door jam pull-up bar, a single kettlebell, a PVC pipe, and then I had rings that I could throw over that door jam pull-up bar to do things like ring push-ups and ring rows. You know, I, I, when I was feeling really froggy, I might do some seated muscle-ups and, and stuff mm, like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, that was uh, three foot by three foot space, a four foot by four foot space, and I never ran out of things to do. So I think that's a a great place to start. Something heavy that doesn't take up a lot of space, a dumbbell, a kettlebell, fits the bill really well. If you can figure out somewhere that you can hang from, that's awesome. Start with those two things and you're going to be off to the races and then build from there. Yeah, with a very small amount of space, you could have a barbell that leans in the corner if you're in the garage, mm-hmm. some bumpers stacked on the ground. Geez, a pull-up bar would be fantastic. Some just bolted wherever you can bolt it. And then uh, if you could have a pair of dumbbells tucked in the corner, maybe you've got one kettlebell and a jump rope, that's, we're not taking up a lot of space with that. Right. And then, and then yep. when it comes time to work out, you probably have to move some stuff around in the garage to clear your little space. You knock out your workout and then you tuck it all back in the corner there. And if you have the discipline to do that and the knowledge as to how to use that small amount of space and that small amount of gear, you are going to develop a tremendous amount of fitness. And it's a very... Yep empowering thing to be able to do in your garage. So I'm thinking we chat now real quick about some common pieces of gear that maybe are used in workouts that people would like to have and and what should people do if they don't have them? Yeah, I, I want to give one more layer to okay. the to kind of the programming aspect before we get there, if you, if you don't mind. No, no, please. So, okay. So step one, make your lists, figure out what you've got access to, start categorizing and mixing and matching, put together some workouts. Step two, start taking a look at those individual workouts and asking yourself, did I get close to what I had hoped to get out of this thing? Mm -hmm. And if not, why? Let's start playing around with the variables a little bit. So that's one and two. And really what that is speaking to is, can I start creating single workouts that make sense? Next step is to kind of take that a little bit bigger and say, okay, how am I making sure that I've covered my bases as far as trying to develop this range of fitness. I know that I'm not sure. just going to want to be good at one thing. And in my opinion, I think using a really simple template can be an awesome way to start. Now, you may abandon it after a month. You may, you know, it may only have utility for a few weeks or whatever, or you may love it and it's something that keeps you on track and you you kind of keep it indefinitely and just switch it around a little bit. But yep let's land the plane on that. A template doesn't have to be complicated. It could be as simple as I know I want to work out three days a week. Great. Let's start there. I identify those days, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or whatever it happens to be. Cool. Okay. I know I need to start getting a range of exposures during my workouts. So let's, let's keep it simple. Day one's going to be heavy. Day two is going to be short and sharp. Day three is going to be a little bit of a longer grinder. Yeah. Cool. And then every week, maybe you just flip-flop the order of them. Yep. And that gives you just enough structure so that when you're mixing and matching, you've got something to aim for on those days 
so that it's not just a total free-for-all. It gives you a little <laughs> bit of containment. Right. And you can start to make sure that you're hitting a range of activities. It's a super simple way to start. And then as you get more sophisticated, you know, you can add a little bit more nuance to your template or you can abandon it and start to do it a little, little bit more intuitively. People are going to gravitate one way or the other. But when you're starting out, it can be an awesome way to just give a little, it's like the bumpers on the uh, bowling alley, you know, yes. just, just keeps you in there just a little bit. And eventually that, you take them out and you're, you're feeling good. With that simple three-day template that you just had, as simple as it is, my brains are spinning. Like you could geek out on it in, in such a wonderful way. You could build out that same, you know, here, like you could, here's a, a bunch of ways you could take it. Let's just take the heavy day, for example. On week one, you're going to have one heavy day. Well, it's going to be maybe on, on week one, you want your heavy day to be what I would categorize as a slow lift, a squat or dead or a press. Mm -hmm. And the next week, so my heavy day is going to be a fast lift. It's going to be a clean and jerk or a snatch. And the week after that, we go, so let's see, you just go back and forth, slow, fast, slow, fast. And whichever Great. one you work into the heavy day that week, maybe you put the other one in one of the mixed modality days. So yep. maybe if, if week one, the heavy day is a slow lift, it's a back squat five by five. Well, then in one of my other two workout days, it's going to be a moderate clean and jerk for reps, a grace-ish grace mm -hmm. kind of a style. And then you... You can just flip-flop and alternate that. And as basic and rudimentary as that is, I'm here to tell you it's going to be really effective. And, yeah. and the other part is it's going to lay this really nice framework that, like you said, it, it, it puts some parameters on you, gives you some structure, and that structure won't inhibit your growth. That structure will just give you an, an organized way to keep your thoughts flowing. And then you're going to learn, and that template will evolve and progress and flourish mm -hmm. and i i mean i think that's beautiful quite frankly i think you're i think that's a great place for people to start yeah and i'll, I'll uh take away one of the easy questions that would come from a template like that in a garage crossfitter well okay boz right out the gate you said heavy days like day one i don't have access to enough load to you know, truly get a strength effect. Okay, sure. let's take that argument off the table altogether. You don't have any <laughs> weighted equipment. Awesome. You know what we're going to do? We're going to work pistols. We're going to work strict handstand push-ups. Oh, those are too easy? Great. Find a couple of blocks of wood. Let's start elevating the, uh, the hands a little bit and get some deficit action going on there. We're going to work L-sits off the floor. We're going to work presses to handstand. I mean, you think you can't get strong developing some of these gymnastics movements you're out of your mind. So even with a total lack of equipment, you can still program a quote strength day in there and get plenty far down the road uh, waiting for that time that you do have access to something that's a little bit more robust. So there's no excuse. Even with that simple template and no equipment, you can make it work if you just think about it beyond that very narrow box of strength yeah. equals lots of weight on the barbell. Yeah, spend a little time researching actual gymnastics training. I'm blessed to sure. actually know yep. some uh, a fair amount of gymnasts, many of whom did not touch external loading, did not touch barbells for most of their life, and they have a strength that most of us would kill for, quite mm -hmm. frankly. And yep. so, yeah, no barbell, again, no barbell, no problem. But then what you have to replace that with is the knowledge and experience. And suddenly, looking yep. at that same space, where you didn't see the barbell and now you saw no options, 
You yeah. do a little research, a little knowledge, and all of a sudden you look at that same space and you're like, wow, I can really get after it and, and, and yep. become something here. So, yeah. yeah, all you really need is the willingness to problem solve. That's it. The, the experience and the knowledge comes later. But the process starts with you saying, hmm, how can I solve this problem? Because you can. You just have to start digging in. <sighs> Sounds like you'll have to do some work. <laughs> that's, that's not going to be popular. Uh, anyway, I derailed us this time and uh, got us away from the topic of equipment. You wanted to start talking about common equipment and substitutions. Yeah. And, and before we do that, I'll say, you said maybe you don't have any gear whatsoever, but let's say you do have a modest array of bumper plates and you're stronger than the bumper plates that you have. You, you can't do a one rep max deadlift because you just you could have used you could use another fifty pounds of plate and you don't have it or you, whatever it happens to be. You're it's great if you can work on one rep. They're mission critical. But if you can't do that and and your world is now three full of threes, fives, and sevens, you're going to be okay until Absolutely. your situation changes. So again, you can modify that as needed. So all right, common gear. Let's say somebody does not have squat rack what do they do oh this oh man this is a great one and this is the uh, the old timer routine you clean <laughs> that bad boy and then you squat it <laughs> there is nothing wrong with that and there are many many people that have gotten plenty strong by doing exactly that and many of us that's how we started i don't have a rack okay you know what it might just be front squats and it's always something i can bring to my shoulders and if that means my clean is the limiting factor, well, guess what? I'm just going to add a few more reps yes. and get after it. And you will not feel shortchanged if you do that. And you know what? The first time you get to use a rack, you're going to get in there. It's going to feel like such a luxury. You'll probably surprise yourself at uh, what you can do if you've been only accustomed to lifting from the floor and having to gut it out. You know, we're, we're talking about back in the days and growing up in the in the dirty, gritty garage gym. That was the life. The, the that, before times. <laughs> yes, that was the life that I lived by first entering into CrossFit is I had an old barbell that didn't spin that well and mm -hmm. you know more steel plates than bumpers, no squat rack. And so any squat day that was a heavy day, I, as I was learning, did either an awkward power clean or like a deadlift to a hang power clean to get it to the front yeah. rack position. And every single one of my below parallel heavy days was a front squat and, and four reps. And, you know, uh, I'm a very mediocre athlete, but I got a decent front squat. And I think that, I mean, that was like my first two years. It was, well, we're front squatting again. And it's, there's, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> there's a lot of good stuff that can happen there. So yes, that's, yep. that's a great one for sure. Everybody these days wants to have a bike or a rower. So let's mm. say that you don't have a bike or rower, be it for funds or space. What is somebody to do? Run. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that simple. Uh, or jump rope is a great option too. But And I don't mean to be glib with my answer on run, but I really do mean that. And there's so much variability uh, just within running that can be done. I mean, we're talking sprinting, long efforts. You can start to mix up your footwork if you want, run forwards, run backwards, you know, start adding some some uh, coordination in there. Um, uh, line drills, uh, something as simple mm -hmm. as a shuttle run can be absolutely devastating in a workout. Mm -hmm. In fact, more devastating than many other forms of running because you just never find that you're hitting your stride. You're always having to accelerate. And then one of my favorites, and this is something everybody has access to if they think about it hard enough, 
find a hill in your neighborhood, find a staircase oh, on a yeah. public building or Ooh. something. Running stairs, running hills. I mean, man, if that's all you did and you had a little bit of creativity with some body weight stuff that you added in there, you you could be a beast with that. So uh, look at the different ways that you can incorporate stuff like running and jumping rope. That can substitute for many of those other um, machines that you might not have due to space or, or cost or whatever. Don't have a pull-up bar. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, so a couple things you can do there. Um, number one, if you have something heavy, you can do lots of bent over rowing. Yep. Uh, that can be a great substitute. Uh, one of my other favorites is if you can find a rope to tie onto your heavy thing, you can do seated poles or, or oh, standing poles. Yeah. Yep. Just that you know, hand over hand. Lots of people got plenty of upper body strength from those uh, for forever. Um, find somewhere that you can hang. Go to the park. Find a tree branch. Find a goal post. You know, find something that you can just get your hands on and uh, and get up there and do it. Um, yeah, that's those are. You know what's easy little solutions. old school bodybuilding ish, but I've I've done it in the past when I didn't have access to a pull up bar and just wanted to have a little bit of variance. If you have a dumbbell that's the appropriate weight, you can get on the bench. Remember, like the dumbbell pullovers, oh, like yeah, a sure. lat pullover. Yep. yep. So you just engage your lat; it's hanging behind your head. You pull it back up. If you do enough reps of those, you will <laughs> you will feel it where you're supposed to feel it. And again, it's the old chest expander. Yes, and <laughs> a, a, a pull-up bar is one of those things that, man, if you can get one, get one because there yep. are some great Figure out how to prioritize. Yeah, it. there's some great substitutions, but they are they are all substitutions. Yep. The the pull-up yep. is really quite a powerful uh, movement, so mm -hmm. it'd be good to get one if you can. What if I'll lead you into this one. Okay, well, actually, we'll... hold on. I got one more thing to say about oh, right. pull-ups too. Is is uh, even if you can't find like a good surface to do pull-ups on, maybe you just can't install a pull-up bar somewhere, or you know you don't have something that's level. You like, yeah, I got some trees in the backyard, but they're not really good for pull-ups. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine. Spend the money to get a set of rings. You know, I think you can get a good set of rings if you hunt around for less than a hundred bucks. Easy, oh yes, yeah, you know, well yep. less than that. And the straps being adjustable, you can create an entirely level situation for yourself. So you just take them out to what you do have access to, throw them over, and now you got something that's not only portable, but gives you that opportunity to pursue all these hanging movements. I will also say in my garage, we've got a set of rings hung from the ceiling, but the ceiling is at a height that I can't really do ring muscle-ups in there, but my wife can. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm tall, but she just she just makes the cutoff and I don't. And we've got another <laughs> set of rings hanging from the pull-up bar that you would use it for like ring dips. Mm -hmm. And so the overwhelming majority of the muscle-ups that I do are for, with my feet out in front of me, like a seated sort of yep. muscle-up. And I love the lowering muscle-ups. I'm a huge advocate of them. They're infinitely scalable, almost like a ring rope, because I can choose how much or how little leg I want to have to assist. Yeah. So I can do a high rep set that just burns my upper body, or I can use minimal lower body. And, and each rep is like a seated L-sit strict mm -hmm. ring muscle, and everything in between is available to you as well. So I, even with a low ceiling height, yes, if you can get your hands on a set of rings, you're gonna open up your breadth mm -hmm. of, of possibilities. And training like that keeps you really honest. You know, when you do get to a position where you can hang fully, and take advantage of a nice swing, 
if all you've known is these seated, relatively strict yes. muscle ups, that's going to feel like it's kid stuff when you get <laughs> yes. there. So it's, you know, sometimes those limitations that you train around, they pay off in the end. So yeah. don't worry about that stuff. Yeah. Um, Every now yeah, and just, then when a set of high rings crosses my path, I'm like, oh, this is wonderful. Yeah. You're like, this is easy. It's no problem. Well, maybe <laughs> that's is, a little generous, but you right. know what I'm saying? It's you appreciate you feel yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, what if you've got, and I know I'm kind of leading you down here, but again, it may not be obvious to some people. What if you've, you know, maybe you've got some dumbbells, but you don't have a kettlebell or vice versa? You know, I guess my question is, can you do something, can you do a kettlebell swing with a, with another implement, so to speak? Or do you have to have Absolutely. the spherical bell with the handle? Oh, yeah. It was very specialized, very secret. Um, no, I think that's the the dirty secret with a lot of this stuff is that honestly, if you have a heavy thing that you're controlling with one limb, it doesn't really matter what that heavy thing is. <laughs> right. It's, uh, uh, there's plenty of variability to do um, with any of them. And sure, some are going to lend themselves better to certain movements. You know, a kettlebell is going to be a little bit nicer when you're doing cyclical things like, like snatches, um, you know, without putting the bell down, things like that. Uh, and dumbbells are going to be a little bit more well balanced for other movements you know you might prefer them to lunge with or do some of these mm -hmm. other things um but at the end of the day in my opinion after having played with both of these extensively it's really just comes down to preference um so don't feel like you need to double up and i would say that if you're building out a garage gym that would be one of the last things i would do if i had dumbbells or i had kettlebells trying to match with the other piece of equipment i think would be one of the last things i'd worry about I would agree. I'll I'll take this next one. Common piece of gear, the jump rope. It does. It's inexpensive. Doesn't take up a lot of space. So most people will probably have them. But let's say that you're traveling. Let's say you're somewhere else, and just for whatever reason you don't have one. If you just do a one for one substitution with jumping jacks, old school, high school sure. gym class jumping jacks. I'm here to tell you, if you <laughs> haven't done a high volume set of jumping jacks in a while, they're going to catch you off guard. And if if you're listening to this and you think that I'm joking. Pause this, go go wherever you are, start your stopwatch, and try to do just two minutes of consecutive jumping jacks. I think you will be shocked at how challenging they are. And also compared to a jump rope, the thing about jumping jacks is you never have a miss. So you can just keep going right. and going and going and going and going. And they work they work quite well if you find yourself in a pinch. So you do have some some other options there for for a jump rope. Mm -hmm. What about a jump box. Now, this might be something else where you can find something else to jump on, or mm -hmm. you can make one yourself inexpensive. But again, we can always play the I'm traveling, I find myself somewhere that I don't have a box. Um, one of the things that I always go to is just the old school tuck jump. Yeah, yeah, the tuck jump can be really hard. Uh, there is no question about that. I would you would be... rather have a box. Oh, uh, 100%. <laughs> and for that reason, I would it, well, two things on the tuck jump. It's harder than most people think. And the quality of repetitions is going to fall off after rep one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. so, yeah, because so, they're so demanding. <laughs> yeah. So for that reason, I would be a little judicious in how you program with the tuck jump. Don't put in these super high rep sets because it's just going to end up degrading into something not really recognizable. <laughs> um, but they can be a great no equipment, no space necessary type movement. Absolutely. And I think broad jumping is I, another easy way that yeah. you can add in some jumping. And you can 
modulate the distance very easily. I mean, you just mark it with a piece of, you know, tape or yep. chalk or, or even just, you know, water bottle here and, uh, you know, left sock over here. You got yourself a little range there to keep you honest. Um, plenty to be done with the broad jump. Uh, the GHD, be it for GHD sit-ups or for hip and back extensions. Yeah, that's one that, again, most people aren't going to have access to. I still don't have one in my garage, much to my wife's chagrin. She she keeps pushing me to get one. But I, I feel like the footprint is just hard to justify, um, even though they're such great pieces of equipment. So, you know, you've got a couple of options there. Good mornings are a great mm -hmm. sub for the, uh, the kind of yep. hip action. And, you know, varying your posture within that good morning to, to replicate the uh, back extension. You can do that, too. Um, you can set up kind of a quasi back extension station by finding something to elevate your hips. It could be a box, it could be a bench, whatever you have, it could be a chair without a back, you know. And you can either find somewhere to hook your legs underneath or you can literally have your gym partner hold your legs as mm. you do that. You see that in plenty mm -hmm. of old school training videos uh, where equipment's limited. Um, even just something as simple as the Superman position on the floor can sure. get you there. Yep. Um, yep. And then as far as the front side, you know, things like V-ups. Oh, yeah, V-ups are going to be really, my go-to right there. It's a tough, tough movement. And again, hard to do well. So if you really hold yourself to a strict technical execution, there's a ton of utility from the V-up. My V-ups look so beautiful because my hamstrings, <laughs> my hamstrings are so loose and stretchy. Like, oh, they look, I, I look like this crinkled dying w every time that i do v-ups but it but it <laughs> delivers the response exactly where it should in my body even even uh, even ugly v-ups are relatively effective yep and then of course you're just regular sit-ups in general you go ahead and do those you don't need an yeah, ad mat to do ad mat sit-ups you'll be just fine and then maybe one of the other things is the workouts karen or something like that you don't have a wall ball or something like that you're you're never going to go wrong with your friend in mind the empty barbell thruster Oh yeah, absolutely. Or you know, I um, I struggled with this for a time when I didn't have a good place to throw a medicine ball that mm. I did have. You know, I didn't want to scuff up the space that I was in, or it just wasn't appropriate height. No problem. Take that bad boy outside and just give it the old heave ho without a target, and just yes. catch it and try to be consistent with your throw. Yeah, it might not be the most um precise way to do a wall ball but let me tell you there's plenty of fitness to be gained from it and it doesn't matter that yeah it wasn't a true 10 foot effort every single time it's still going to be effective let me give you a living room karen that can be done if you have okay. a medicine ball maybe there's a hurricane outside you can't go whatever it is you, <laughs> you know you, you have to use the the, the ceiling inside you're not going to throw the ball karen's obviously 150 wall balls for time to a 10 foot target for men nine for women 20 or 14 pound ball. Here's what you do. You get your, your medicine ball, <laughs> you bear hug it to your chest and you do 15 rounds for time of 10 jumping squats with the medicine ball, oh. bear hug to your chest and 10 hand release push-ups. That's terrible. Yeah, that's, terrible. that's awful. <laughs> so, but you would much yeah. rather do Karen. But 100%, yes. Point being, <laughs> you can you can reverse, again, a little bit of experience or knowledge or, or engineering the movement with a limited amount of space, a limited amount of gear, you're going to be good to go. That's, that's kind of the point yeah. of this entire show today. So hopefully that, hopefully that helps some people out.
Yeah, I think so. And, and again, it just starts at the basics. Make a list. Start categorizing that list simply. Put together some workouts. Take a look. Do those workouts actually have the effect that you intended? If not, adjust a little bit. Okay, cool. Take the next step. How can I think about organizing my training week to week? Just with a couple of guardrails on there. doesn't need to be super complicated. Just something that keeps me moving in multiple directions and not getting fixated on only the pet things that I like. And that's it. And then play around with it and gain that experience. I think that's one of the most important things you said is nobody ever gets truly good at anything without looking like a beginner for a very long time. And that's, that's part of that. the fun. Yep. It's a great process to go through and to circle it all the way back around to the beginning. It's a process that once you get comfortable with it, I hate to use the word empowering because I think oftentimes it's just so cheesy, but, but it's true. You are now empowered to build your own fitness and be responsible for that. You don't have to rely on anybody else. You don't have to worry about experts telling you this or that or the other. You can just strip it down to the basics and live your life knowing that you have the tools to take that fitness into your own hands. And that's a very powerful thing. So anyway, absolutely. All I got on that. One. No, that was great. And as we said at the beginning of the show, this was user-submitted content. So as we say at the end of every one of these shows, thank you for your support. We genuinely appreciate it. Hopefully, you're getting as much benefit out of these chats as we hope that you are. If you are listening to this in an audio format, we encourage you to go to the BTWB YouTube channel, find this show. You have now heard what Adrian and I think about this, but what do you think about this? We want to know your thoughts on what we chatted about, how to approach programming for the garage crossfitter do you have another topic throw it out there we will we will pay attention and work it into the rotation if we think it will benefit the community so thank you everybody for adrian bosman i'm pat sherwood and we'll see you next time